Hey, welcome back to Red Ink. Red Ink, week 10. 10 weeks we've been in this series. Series all about the words that Jesus spoke in his ministry, in his three years of ministry on this earth. We started this series in the Sermon on the Mount. Ten weeks in, we are still in the Sermon on the Mount, which leaves no doubt in my mind as to why the Sermon on the Mount is called the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher to ever preach. Of course, Jesus preached it. I get to follow in his footsteps here, and so I'm just really, if you like the message, it's not because of something I said, I'm just saying what Jesus said. So that's a good thing for me if I can just kind of piggyback on the greatest preacher to ever preach. We've been working our way through this sermon. We're in chapter 7 today, so if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 7. I'm sorry, I didn't tell you what book. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be picking up there in just a minute. But before we get into our our passages for the day, let's talk about where we've been over the last 10 weeks. We, We have dealt with, Jesus has dealt with how to be a follower of Christ, how to be one of his disciples, one of his followers. He taught us how to do that. Then he taught us what does it look like when you are following him. Now, he taught us how before he taught us what it looks like so that we don't run around trying to make it look like we're following him when we're really not. Bear that in mind as we get into our topic for today because today in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to talk about false teachers and false followers. After Jesus taught us how to follow him and taught us what it looks like to follow him, he dealt with some other things. He dealt with prayer, how to live in a relationship with Him, and to build and develop that relationship through prayer. Jesus has taught us how not to pray, and then He turned around and taught us how to pray. So we've learned a lot of stuff. That's just kind of like the overview of the last 10 weeks. If you haven't been with us, that's some of what you've missed out on. If you missed out on some of that and want to go back and catch it, we have a, 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 a way that you can do that. You can go to our website, elevationchurchtx.org. Don't forget the TX and click on uh, messages, and you can listen online to our past messages. Are we fully caught up on that, Jared? We a few weeks behind? A couple weeks behind, but you can still catch up with a lot of uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, red ink stuff. We usually run about a week or two behind on that, but uh, we will get those caught up so that you can always stay in touch with what we're doing. We also podcast. If you've got an an iPhone or an MP3, MP4, I don't even know what all that stuff means, but if you've got one of those players, you can download the messages from iTunes. If you have an iTunes account, just go there and uh, enter Elevation Church Flower Mound, and it should take you to um, our messages there, and you can download and listen to those and get caught up with where we are in the series. So there you go. There's a little bit about where we've been. There's how you can catch up with us. Now let's get into Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start with verses 15 through 20. That's our first passage for today. Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20. Jesus teaching about true and false prophets. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Whoo! There's some scorching hot stuff in there. Jesus says that there are false prophets. And if you missed what he was saying in that passage, if you missed it in the translation that you're reading, check out how the message translation of the Bible puts this passage. Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off some way or other. Do not be impressed with charisma. Look instead for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. i got to read that verse with some conviction now. I stand before you every Sunday morning. I stand before you on, on Saturday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday, Sunday through Sunday. What, seven days a week as your pastor, your preacher? I better check myself against what it's saying because I am inviting you into my life. I want you to check out what's going on in my life. If I ever say anything up here that doesn't align with Scripture, if I'm teaching you something and I'm not living it, I'm not practicing it, you guys have permission to call me out on that. You better check me. You better check me. The message makes it so clear. We've got to look at what somebody's doing, how they're living, not just what they're saying. It's easy for me to come up here and preach the gospel. Am I living the gospel? So there's false, shady preachers and teachers out there. And they're out to get you. They're either out to get you for their own personal gain, their financial gain, so they can add numbers to the seats in their church and, and write books about how to build big churches and, and stuff like that, or they're out to get you in some other way. Sometimes they're just miserable people. And what do we know about misery? Amen. Misery loves company, doesn't it? Miserable people are some of the best recruiters in the world. They go out and recruit other people to join them in their misery. And they do it by painting these word pictures about how awesome their miserable life is. So if you've made some wrong turns in life, and I'll bet if you went back to the point where you made the wrong turn, where you made the bad decision, there might have been a person there Somebody that you allowed into leadership in your life, not necessarily a preacher or a pastor, but somebody who helped you along in that decision-making process. I had a pastor that told me one time, there are more bad stories, there are more people in prison who when I talk to them in my prison ministry, their response is, that, you know, how did you get here? It starts out with, well, I had these friends. You've got to be careful who you put yourself in association with, who you're following, what they're actually doing, not just what they're saying. Preachers and pastors and teachers and leaders of all stripes can be miserable people. They can be snakes in the grass. They can be false prophets. Beware, Jesus says. Beware the false prophet. Beware their false teaching. Beware of False religions. They're out there. The good news is Jesus didn't just leave us at beware, did He? 
He didn't just say beware and walk off the mountaintop. Yeah, he's, he's up there preaching. Da, 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 da. Beware, peace out, I'm gone. Y'all figure it out. No, he told us how to identify the false leaders. He told us what to look for. What did he say that we should look for? Fruit. Good fruit. Good fruit is born of good trees. Bad fruit of bad trees. You can tell the difference between a false prophet, a false preacher, a false teacher from a good one, from a true one, by the fruit on the person's tree. You will recognize them by their fruit. And what kind of fruit do you think Jesus is talking about? What kind of fruit should a person bear in their life? What should you be looking for for a real, authentic, true teacher, preacher, leader in your life? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, you want them to bear Jesus' fruit. What is Jesus' fruit? Check out Galatians chapter 5. Come on, Galatians chapter 5. Start with verse 22. Y'all there? If you're not there in your Bibles, that's cool. Check it out on the screen. It's up here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he's writing about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Some of your Bibles might say forbearance. Some might say patience. Some might use some other words. Let's go with patience, because that's a word we all understand in modern English, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are nine elements of the fruit. There are not nine fruits. This is like free stuff right here. It's one fruit. Nine elements of the fruit. It's kind of like an orange has sections, right? But it's still one orange. That's kind of how the fruit of the Spirit works. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. I have to read these things because I get them out of order and then I get lost. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit that you should be looking for. When you're following a leader, when you're joining a church, when you're choosing your friends, the people who have influence in your life, it's the kind of fruit that the church should be demonstrating, the kind of fruit that leaders should be demonstrating. Christians, it's the fruit that you better be bearing or check out why you're not. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the fruit that should be evident in your life. What kind of fruit are the leaders in your life bearing? Are they demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Or are they not? Are their actions giving you evidence of that fruit? Or are they simply saying words that sound right and maybe are right, but they're not living it? Check out their lives. They've got to teach it, but they need to live it. You need to teach it and live it. If the actions of a leader do not match up with their words, well, first of all, Let's just check this. Do their words match up with the Bible? How would you know? 
You're going to have to open up the Word yourself, aren't you? Some of y'all know. The Bible actually tells us that we, we, we don't just trust pastors and teachers and leaders. You better open up the Word of God and check it out yourself. If I'm up here preaching a false gospel and you're just taking my word for it, you're buying into my misleading of you. If any leader in your life is teaching you something that is untrue and you don't know, you're getting sucked into something that is really, really bad. The impetus is on you. The onus is on you. You open your Bibles. Get in God's Word. Pray. Listen to what He is saying. And discern through that whether somebody is teaching truth and discern through that whether that person is living truth. And I would suggest to you that a teacher who is teaching the truth but is not living it, now listen, ain't none of us perfect. I am your pastor, but I am not perfect. If you investigate my life, you don't even have to get out like a magnifying glass or a microscope to find the imperfections, all right? I'm aware of a lot of them. Some of them, maybe not. And if you notice an imperfection in my life, I, you're in, I welcome you to bring it up to me. Now, you got to you know, tell truth in love. Come on. That's right. you got to tell the truth in love. Somebody, she's just helping me out. You better tell me the truth in love because I'm going to tell you right now, I've got a shady past and I ain't afraid. <laughs> All right? So if you're going to bring some truth, you better bring it in love. The Bible also says that you should not tell somebody else about the speck in their eye when you got a log in your own. Come on. I struggle with that one every Sunday. I feel like I'm carrying all this, this bundle of firewood up here in my eye, and I'm telling you, guys, but, but this is what the Lord called me to do. So here's the deal. Nobody's going to be perfect. But what you should see is that they're living the things that they're teaching. Yeah, they're going to fall down. Yeah, they're going to skin their knee. They better get back up and keep going in line with God. If you see in them open rebellion against God, just know that's a red flag. Whether it's a, a, a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, a parent, whatever, when they're teaching you something that they're not living, that's a red flag. This person is not living up to what they're saying. Needs to match the Bible. If it's a pastor especially, his words, his teachings better be biblical. If it's not, then that's bad. Bad. Not bad in the good way like we came up with in like the 80s or whatever. I don't know, that's when I thought it was because that's, you know, I'm a child of the 80s. You know, when bad was good. I don't know, if, is bad still good? I don't even know. That's bad, right? That's bad. That's bad as, this is bad, bad. All right. When their words don't align with the Bible, that's bad, bad. Check your leaders. Now, if we're going to hold somebody to a standard, what standard are we going to hold them to? The standard of, of who? God. We're going to hold people to the standard of Jesus. Jesus is the standard bearer for Christians. So let's check out, did Jesus bear the fruit of the Spirit of God? Did Jesus demonstrate, for instance, love? Yeah. Let's talk about how Jesus demonstrated love. Jesus demonstrated love all throughout what we have recorded about his life. All throughout his three years of ministry, everything that we know about him points back to love. Jesus loved people. Jesus loves people. How do we know? Well, Jesus called his disciples. He said, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Come and, 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 and be with me, and I'm going to teach you things that you don't know. And when he selected the people to follow him, he picked the people 
that were like the last ones that any other religious leader, any other rabbi would have picked. He picked people that had failed out of the religious training system. The school back in the day in, the, in their culture, the whole goal of graduation was to be a rabbi. And at any point along the way, there were checkpoints. You know, if one of those checkpoints, you didn't pass the test, you got kicked out of school, and you went to work in the family business or apprentice to somebody else. The funny thing about that is, what do we know about Jesus' career before ministry? What was he? He was a carpenter. Y'all know Jesus failed out of the religious training system? Now, the more you know about Scripture, the more you don't, you're not surprised by that. Because what they were teaching him didn't line up. They were bearing bad fruit. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, these, these hypocrites of the day, they were bearing bad fruit. So, of course, Jesus failed out. I think that's funny. And he went and found some other flunkies that had not been poisoned with the junk that those people were teaching. And he called these people. He loved them too much to leave them out of what he was about to do. Jesus in his ministry, for three years, he loved people. He healed people. He comforted people. He welcomed people. His ultimate act of love, of course, was going to the cross and dying for people. And when I say people, you need to understand, that's you. You're people. It's me. I'm people. Jesus died for you as if you were the only one who would ever need it. That's love. Jesus definitely demonstrated love. In fact, the Bible says that God is love and that Jesus is God. And therefore, Jesus is love. How could he bear any other, any other kind of fruit? How could he bear anything but love? Joy. Did Jesus have joy? We sometimes misunderstand joy. We think joy and happiness are interchangeable. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it briefly this morning. Happiness comes from the things that are happening in your life. I got a promotion. I got a raise. I'm happy. My new boss stinks, and I hate my job. I'm unhappy. You were happy three days ago. Something happened. And your happiness changes all the time as the circumstances and situations in your life change. High, low, high, low. Paul writes about joy, says he's figured out the way to be joyful in, in, in all circumstances. Paul had been broke and he'd been rich. Paul had been well fed and he had been starving. He had been a free man, he had been arrested. Paul had lived through all kinds of stuff that most of us will never deal with. And Paul said he had found the secret to being joyful in all of those things. Joy comes from Jesus. See, when you know you have Christ on your side, or better yet, when you know you're on Christ's side, who cares what circumstances are going on in your life? You already know that your needs are taken care of. And if you check out right now, it only gets better. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of being hungry. I'm not afraid of being arrested. I'm not afraid of being beaten. Like, I'm not necessarily looking forward to it. But if it happens, that's cool. Jesus' own disciples said they were not worthy of the kind of, of death and the kind of punishment that Jesus himself went through. They considered it joy 
to be dealt with like that. Like, you're putting me on the same plane you put Jesus on? You're going to crucify me? Hallelujah! Sounds crazy. But that's what joy can do for you. If you've got the joy of Jesus, did Jesus demonstrate joy? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Jesus was, was homeless. Let's be real. He said that the Son of Man has no place to lay down His head. Homeless. He wandered from town to town wearing sandals, walking in the sand. That right there would steal my joy. I'm just saying. I don't like the beach because sand gets in places sand was never intended to be. Just saying. That is not biblical, but it is true. All right. Jesus expressed joy in a very tangible way. Right before he was crucified, they're, they're fighting over his clothes and, and they're, they're nailing him to the cross and they're doing, and, and they've beaten him and they've tried and they've mocked, and Jesus says, hey, forgive them. God, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Now, the opposite of joy in that moment would have probably been something like hatred or, or not being at peace and screaming and fighting. Jesus demonstrated joy when he's nailed to the cross and he could have come down, but he was content to stay. That's joy at work. Peace, patience, kindness. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. Do I actually have to go into that? Did He express peace? Did He demonstrate the fruit of peace? The Prince of Peace. Patience. How many times in the New Testament do we read about Jesus saying to His disciples, how many times have I told you? Have you not understood you don't hear about him like berating them and beating his head against the wall. He might have felt like it, but he was patient. You know what? He's been patient with some of you who've been running from him for 15, 20, 30, 50 years. You've been living life your way. You know he's out there, but you're doing it your way. And Jesus is patient. The blood of the Lamb will still cover you in spite of your running, in spite of your, your, your dodging Him. He's patient. Patience. Kindness. Jesus hung out with what we would call lowlife, scum, trash, tax collectors. Sinners, lepers, I mean lepers, leprosy. These people were banned from living in the towns, in the culture, in the cities. They had their own little colonies outside, away. They could not come in. They could not go worship. They could not go be with their families. Jesus went out to them. He touched them. He healed them. He loved them. Kindness? Man. Goodness. Yeah, I don't think I even have to cover that. I think we've covered that already. Faithfulness. Jesus had a mission to do. Talked about it a couple times in this series. On the night that he was arrested, standing in the garden, Jesus was sweating drops of blood. He was in such a state of despair. 
Jesus could have backed out. He asked God, could we do this a different way? God said, no. Jesus said, your will, not mine. Faithfulness. He was faithful to his calling, faithful to his mission, faithful to follow his Father. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Think about Jesus welcoming the children. Talk about gentle. Think about the way that that Jesus handled clearing the temple. It may not seem gentle. He, He made a court and he went there and he kicked butt and took names. He whipped people. He ran them off. But that was very gentle compared to what Jesus could have done, right? I mean, he is fully God. He could have like, poof, fried them or who knows? but he just ran them off. So you're not going to turn my father's house into a den of thieves. I'm going to reclaim it. I'm going to move you on. By the way, you're welcome to stay if you're ready to worship, right? Gentleness. Self-control. Self-control. On trial. Mocked. Beaten. Nailed to the cross. Self-control. Jesus could have come down. He could have struck back, but he didn't. He modeled for us self-control. Did Jesus demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit? Indeed, he did. Did I go through that whole exercise just to prove that? No. I mean, maybe for some of you who questioned it, if anybody did... Why did I go through all of that? Because I want you to see in a very real way from the best role model ever what this fruit looks like lived out so that you can spot it in the lives of other people, the people that you're following, the pastors, the preachers, the teachers, the parents, the leaders of your life. Look for these things in them. Are they saying it and spraying it or are they living it? Because that's what it looks like lived out. It's the fruit of Jesus' life. It's the fruit of His ministry. And it's the fruit that His followers must bear. Jesus says, those who are in Him will bear this fruit. Check out John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is teaching here. He says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Remain in me. Remain in me. As I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Those who are in Jesus, Jesus is also in you. He's the vine. You're the branch. You've got to be in Him to be sustained, to be able to, to get the energy and the power to bear the fruit. Now, maybe this is a wake-up call for some of you, what I'm about to say. Maybe some of you already realize this. Maybe it's just intuitive. You've never thought of it in this way. But, but here it is. Here's a truth that we all need to come to terms with. 
We're talking about false leaders, false prophets, false teachers. You, every one of you, is a leader. You may not think of yourself as a leader, maybe because you don't have a title at work. You're not the boss. You don't have people reporting to you. Maybe you don't think of yourself as a leader because you were never in the military, never had troops under you. You've never led anybody in an official capacity. Are you a parent? You're a leader. A grandparent? A leader. Are you a sibling? A leader. A student? A leader. A teacher? A leader. Are you sons and daughters? You you have leadership as part of that relationship. We all lead in some capacity at some point in our lives. Every one of us. Are you a Christian? A follower of Jesus? Do you profess faith in Christ? You, sir, you, ma'am, are a leader. People are looking to you, looking at you, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not. You're a leader. You better check the fruit in your life. Where are you leading people that are following you? Where are you yourself headed? Because you can't lead somebody where you're not going. Right? If they're following you, what path are they following you down? How are you leading them? Are you demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Are you living the life that God has called you to, Jesus has prepared for you? Leading them in Christ, leading them to Christ? To know you've got to make sure that you are rooted in Christ, that the vine, you're the branch, that you're in the vine, that you're in Christ and Christ is in you. Otherwise, you very well may be the false prophet that Jesus warns about. Now, we're not going to cover it today, but if you flip over into Revelation and like look up what happens with false prophets, it ain't good. I'm just saying, it's just bad. You can take my word for it, or you can go check me like we talked about, but it's in Revelation. You'll find it there, the false prophet. It's great. You don't want to be the false prophet. So does your life demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit of God? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think I left one out. What kind of fruit are you producing? Good fruit or bad fruit? Good vines produce good fruit. They cannot produce bad. Bad vines produce bad fruit. They cannot produce good. Jesus is the vine. You, his followers, are the branches. God is the gardener, and he's prepared to prune you so that you will produce not only good fruit, but more good fruit, and more good fruit, and more good fruit. He is at work in your life, pruning away. Some of you are worried about the things that are happening. You're worried about the circumstances and the trials and the challenges. God, if I'm following you, why am I not getting all of the good things? Why don't I drive this car, live in this house, have that job, have that spouse? Why do I have to fight with my children? Why, 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 why? God's pruning you. In those trials, He's building you up, strengthening you, putting things in your life that will feed the fruit if you'll see those things through. 
Don't cut yourself off from the vine because you're not getting what you want. Because what happens to those who are cut off from the vine when they're not bearing fruit? Right back here, Jesus says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Bear the fruit. Stay in. Don't get cut off. Don't cut yourself off. Because the fruitless, the branches that cut off or drop off, get burned. They get burned. True prophets, true followers, produce the fruit of God. False followers, false prophets, produce false fruit. False fruit is dead fruit. It's dead. Look at John chapter 8, verses 42 through 45. John 8, 42 to 45. Jesus said, If God were your Father, now he's talking to some unbelievers here, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own. God sent me. So why is my language not clear to you? It's because you're unable to hear what I say, because you belong to your Father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Stop there. A liar and the father of lies. Aha! We're starting to get at this. The picture is becoming clear. False prophets, false leaders are not rooted in Christ. They're in another vine. That vine is Satan, the enemy, the devil himself. And his fruit, the Bible says, is, is lies and deceit and death. Because Satan is a liar and a murderer. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. These false teachers, these liars who are rooted in Satan and fruited by Satan. They cook up all kinds of lies. All kinds of things that sound good, look good, might be believable. False religions throughout history. We've had, I don't know how, I can't, I have never even tried to count how many types of false religion have existed in the history of man. Sometimes these false religions are even born out of something that sounds Christian. They might even use Jesus' name. They might even use Scripture. There are false churches that bear Christ's name, Christian church. And they're teaching false gospels. They're teaching false doctrine. They're teaching wrong beliefs and wrong behaviors. We need to be aware. We need to open our Bibles. We need to be able to speak truth and love to people in our lives, to be real leaders, real prophets, speakers of truth. We need to bear the fruit of the Spirit of God so that people see what it looks like in a Christian's life so they can identify false fruit by seeing real fruit produced in the lives of real followers. You've got to examine the fruit. Because if you fall for a fake, if you buy the lie, if you believe in this false fruit, it's bad. It doesn't go well. Back to John 15. I'm going to reread a couple of verses. 
Verse 1, 2, and 6. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. It will bear even more, be more fruitful. Then verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Matthew chapter 7, back where we started. Verses 21 through 23. Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You're the branch. The fire is hell. Eternal separation from God. Which, by the way, is an unrecoverable condition. If you find yourself eternally separated from God in hell, unrecoverable. It's too late. That's why you need to choose carefully who you're following, where you place your faith, what vine you are tapped into. Because a fruitless vine is cut off. A vine that drops away of its own free will, that chooses to be rooted and fruited by Satan and bear bad fruit, it's thrown into the fire. What fruit are you producing? It's a rhetorical question. What fruit? something to think about, something to pray about. It's a very good question to ask yourself. Not just today, but periodically. Stop and check yourself. Check the fruit on the tree. Check the fruit of those you are following. Make sure you're rooted in the true vine. Make sure your faith is in Christ and Him alone.